Come on. Jen, are you ready? I am ready. Well, I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Jennifer Chapman is the founder and executive leadership coach at Ambition Leadership. She's a former leader in Fortune 500. Excited to have you on. Jen, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I currently live in Indianapolis uh, with my husband. I have five children. We're a blended family. So, I, yeah, I got the eyebrow raise there. <laughs> uh, so I have um, three stepchildren from my husband's first marriage, and then I've got two biological. So things are never boring at our house, and I've learned how to balance being a mom with having a wonderful business that I got into because I started out in learning and development. I worked at a large consulting firm, worked with a lot of people, and then I found working with people one-on-one -on -one brought results so much better than the large trainings. And so I started focusing on coaching, went to Georgetown and got my coaching education. And then in 2012, I, I took a big leap on Leap Day and started my business. And I just really love working with very smart people, highly technical who get promoted into leadership and management positions and then find that they aren't as savvy with the people side of their jobs. So I'm married to a mechanical engineer. I've got my dear brother who's um, an IT wizard for ExxonMobil. So I've got kind of surrounded by people that I love that could fall into that category. And, and I've just found that they're, they're just ready for help on how they can be even stronger as a leader. Nice. I certainly appreciate all of that. Why, why do you think it is that that the one-on-one -on -one interaction or, or engagement is more effective than than going about it from from a group standpoint? Well, so for one, I think all of us are guilty of multitasking during <laughs> training. Mm. It's not not easy to do that when you're uh, sitting across from someone virtually or in person. Um, so you get just rapt attention. I also, I love that I can tailor what, you know, find out for this other person, what is the problem? And then we can tailor everything I know into what's going to truly be helpful for you. And, and there is no one size fits all approach. I mean, I do have some tips that I think are broadly applicable, but everybody's personality is different. Their situations are different. And so, you know, it's really interesting to me to just hear about the issues, what's the end goal, and let's come up with a plan that's really going to work. That really answers my next question perfectly. It was when we start talking about interpersonal communication or leadership, there's all these different things that that I, I guess if, if I were in your shoes trying to help somebody to be more effective with the other human beings, that it's, it's this huge thing. So how do you start to diagnose what they need a little bit of help with? Good question. So sometimes when people come to me wanting help, they've been given feedback by someone. Um, for example, I worked with an engineer last year who um, was you know incredibly talented, was getting some good visibility in the company, and his boss and boss's boss came to him and said, hey, we see great things for you here. 
but (laughs) (laughs) you have got to get a handle on your interactions with people and soft skills. And so then they asked him if he'd be interested in coaching and we got connected and I helped him real at first. I think we had to do some work on why he needed to care about what other people thought. (laughs) I would say that's the number one thing I hear from really smart people is like, well, I'm direct. This is who I am. And if that's, you know, somebody doesn't like that, that's their problem. Well, no, I'm sorry. That really is going to be your problem. And actually, um, Daniel Goleman, who's known as the father of emotional intelligence, he said that emotional intelligence or our people skills are a greater predictor of success than your IQ. So think about that. It's almost like people won't care how smart you are unless you learn how to communicate with people work with other people, get buy-in from other people. You can't work in a vacuum. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Isn't that the truth? I'm very fond of saying that I'd rather be useful than brilliant. And maybe I'm fond of that because I'm not brilliant. Who knows? But <laughs> but, but I can actually, and, and I, I'm sure that I've said those words before too, when I ruffled somebody's feathers, I probably said, well, you know, get over it. Why should I care about that? Um, but to your point, if you want to be effective and you're interested in moving whatever change or influence that you're trying to have, you need to be able to to successfully interact with, with, with the other human beings. Absolutely. And also, I know a lot of people are out of work right now. We've got a lot of people who are unemployed and underemployed thanks to the pandemic. And so for you all who are in that job search space, there was a study done in 2018 by a group called West Monroe Partners, and they surveyed a bunch of HR leaders, and they found 67% of HR leaders said that they withheld a job offer to someone who is otherwise completely qualified because of the concern of social skills. So if if you want to stand out in your job hunt, if the more you can demonstrate self-awareness and empathy and collaboration, that those those intangibles, then that is what's going to most likely get you a job over your equally qualified competition. I'm shocked that it's not 100%. You know, 67% is, is is the vast majority of HR leaders said that they held job offers because of some kind of a, um, because of some kind of a, um, what was the term? Soft skills? Soft skills. Yeah. A lack of soft skills. So that certainly makes sense. And it makes sense that, 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 that people recognize that they have an issue because they've gotten feedback. And, you know, I think that anytime we get negative feedback, um, our, our, our probably initial response is, 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 is to bristle a little bit, but that's the best gift that people can really give to us because that means they probably value us, right? Absolutely. So once, once we know, okay, I, I need to do a better job with this, how, do we, how, how, how are you helping to actually coach people up or, or, or train them? How, how does that process work? That's a great question. So when one thing I like using uh, is an instrument called the EQI 2.0, and it is a valid, reliable assessment, uh, self-assessment that goes through 
six different components of emotional intelligence. And I love the way it breaks it down because it starts out with looking within yourself and like your self-regard, your self-actualization or what kind of vision do you have or goal setting abilities you have. And then um, it moves into empathy for others, communication with other people. And then it finally breaks down into the your decision-making abilities, how you do under stress and um, just more in like inaction at work kind of things. And so I find that could be a really helpful tool to helping someone really get down to the, what are my areas I need to work on the most? And then what are my strong areas? Because I find it's really hard to tell people, stop being self-absorbed, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you get people with a really high sense of self-regard. And instead of just throwing that out the window because it's impossible, you've got to look at what's another area that's going to help them compensate. So then we would start working on empathy. And some people might say, well, I don't really, empathy, I don't really care about other people. But right. empathy doesn't mean that you're, you know, having everybody cry on your shoulder when they're upset. Empathy means you can step out of yourself and put yourself in someone else's shoes and, then as you relate to them that way, you can tailor your communication and your behavior to something that's going to be effective. And you do this, George, you're, you're a podcaster. And so as you do your job so well, you're constantly using empathy to put yourself in the shoes of your audience and figure out what do they need and how can I help them most? If I were a person listening to my podcast what would I want? And and one thing I love about your podcast is that at the end, you have that difference making tip. So everybody knows if I hang in there during this podcast, I'm going to walk away with something actionable. And that I'm sure has come about because you've taken time to think through what do my people value? What do they need? That's a classic example of having empathy. Well, there you go, Jen. I'm doing a great job with empathy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how, how often is it, um, maybe this is a dumb question, more of a definitional problem when somebody hears you need to be more empathetic and, and, and you sort of, you, you, you already talked about this, but just what people's understanding of that, it's not that I'm going to be all of a sudden having, you know, kumbaya meetings and we're going to be hugging all the time. It's just, you need to be, more cognizant of what somebody else feels and, and thinks in, in, in their interactions with you. Yes, of course, semantics are so important. And that's one reason why when I use this tool, like there's a, a model, it's a visual model that I love. And then we go through and we talk about the different components and what they mean. Um, there's one example, or one that's called, um, oh gosh, my mind just blanked. So we have self-regards, oh, self-actualization. People are like, well, what's that? And so then we start talking about well, what it means is your ability to set goals and achieve them. And one thing I see often in people is, well, people say, well, I have a healthy sense of self-regard. That may be true. And a lot of people that take this emotional intelligence assessment, their self-regard is lower than their self-actualization. So then when I look at those two together, I can interpret that for them and say, it looks like you're a go, 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 probably a type A personality. You you get it done. 
you've been recognized for these accomplishments, but for some reason it's not translating into how you feel about yourself. Tell me a little bit more about that. And so then we, that's when we really start getting into issues. Um, and it's really fun for me to, I see patterns and um, I look at people, for example, who have really high stress tolerance and they pat themselves on the back about that. Feel, <laughs> hey, bring it on, I can handle stress. But then I start asking them questions about, so do you have headaches, back pain, ulcers? <laughs> Those are usually the top three. And I usually get some head nods and I'm like, okay, just because you can handle stress well, doesn't mean you can handle it. You should run towards it or just take it on all the time. So then we look at another emotional intelligence component that would help balance that out. So I would say, you know, taking time to really understand what the different components mean is extremely valuable. And by working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, like I can help people relate that to their role, their job, what their situation is and make it relevant. Yeah, I think that that's 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 very interesting. Not to beg on engineers, but um, let's just do that. And I, <laughs> I, I, when 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 you're going through this process with somebody who who for a living, what what they do is is design systems, and they understand the components and how they're all interacting. And this is this is a new skill building, which 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 you're working on. Is it a matter of teaching tactics and then they understand sort of if I do this, this is the response I'm going to get and it starts there and then they eventually, it turns into just a, 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 a skill that they have or I suppose that that's what we all do. So I often like to start with a problem that they've had in the past or recently that has to do with this emotional intelligence. So for a common one is getting buy-in. I had a client who started a new job and came to this organization after a few months was just going crazy because one of the software things that they used was just archaic and it was just costing, it was taking more time for him to get stuff done. He saw so many inefficiencies. So he went into this meeting one time and said, and he was trying to show, he, the goal was show people this other software he knew about get them to all see the benefits of it and then switch. Well, I guess pretty early <laughs> in his presentation, he made a comment like the software you guys are using right now is crap. And, you know, Junk. and then he listed, yeah, like here's the stuff that you, you know, that's wrong with it. And he lost the group right there. They got went into defensive mode. Um, he insulted people who had actually been the decision makers on that software in the first place. And it was an absolute train wreck. So we, when we, we talked about it, he's like, I, I, I had such a good idea and they just wouldn't even listen to me. So then we had to backtrack to, okay, why did they not listen to you? What, you know, could it maybe have been offensive <laughs> You backed on the thing. Could they have been resistant because you were fairly new to the organization? And what's really interesting about engineers is that even though they think so logically, they, like others, will present a solution passionately or intuitively. And, and let me tell you, that is not going to get you anywhere. You've got to start with the facts. Start with the facts. If he'd come in there and said, 
hey, I've you know done some analyses and we're losing this much money or we're spending this much time as opposed to this other system and do a comparison, then there's no emotion that's going to offend or get you so ratcheted up emotionally that you're not going to be able to think with that logical side. So that's where I would start with someone. Yeah, yeah, I think that that totally makes sense. And as you're talking through that, I think we probably, everybody has been in a situation like that where we made those critical errors of uh, of putting people back on their heels and putting them, making them defensive and then they're closed off and you're not going to get anywhere. So I like it. Well, Jen, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? All right. So the number one trick uh, or tip I have for getting buy-in and working well with other people is it all comes back to that what's in it for me, except you have to flip it. (laughs) Nobody cares what's in it for you. You have to do it in terms of what, how is this going to benefit the person you're trying to get on board? And I love this tip because it works in almost any situation. If you're having a difficult time managing up and being on the same page as your boss, what's in it for your boss? I think one mistake people make is they go to their boss and say, oh, we just had another baby or, hey, my wife lost her job. I need a raise. No. Like, why does your boss even care? Why does your organization care? Like, that's not their problem. But if you can go in there and say, hey, I've accomplished this, this, and this, and I'd really like the opportunity to do that, that, and that, and this is how it's going to benefit you, take time and workload off your plate. Now you got them listening to maybe why you deserve a raise. It works with your direct reports. I I can't get so-and-so motivated. Well, what is that one thing that your direct report wants out of their career, and how can you use that to get them motivated for this one project? And it works with your peers. You know, so your goal is this, their team is doing that. So how do you word what you need from them in a way that it's going to benefit their team? So just think about what's in it for me, except for twist it to what's in it for you. And that will be a big help in you working more collaboratively with other people. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. What's in it for me, Jen? No, no, no. What is in it for you? I love it. Well, Jen, where can Savage Nation learn more about you? I have a website, ambitionleadership.com. And if you go to my homepage, you will see a couple opportunities. I am offering complimentary consultations right now. If if someone's heard something they like and just want to find out more about coaching or emotional intelligence, feel free to just have a casual chat with me. And then the other thing I'm offering is a discounted emotional intelligence assessment. And for just $99, you can take this tool I've been talking about and get a 30-minute debrief with me, um, no strings attached. And I just love to bring more awareness to emotional intelligence. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jen your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to ambitionleadership.com, sign up for a complimentary consultation, and also take that um, emotional intelligence um, test survey, Jen. What's what? Assessment. I probably would have gotten the there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> take, take that emotional intelligence assessment and um, and get the debrief with Jen. Thanks again, Jen. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. <laughs>